The National Public Health Emergency Team will today consider whether further public health measures are needed following a sharp increase in the number of recorded COVID-19 cases at the weekend. 200 new infections were reported on Saturday and an additional 66 yesterday. This is in the same weekend, of course, that saw outrage over alleged breaches of coronavirus guidelines at a Dublin venue, Berlin, during a brunch event. As many of you may have already seen on social media, this involved a man dancing on the bar, pouring drinks into punters' mouths with no apparent social distancing taking place. Well, last night, Acting Chief Medical Officer Dr Ronan Glynn said that some people had been reckless and had undermined the effort of the majority of people and he said the pandemic was not over just because people are tired of living with it. Dr Gabriel Scali is President of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Royal College of Royal Society of Medicine in London and he joins us now on the line. Good morning, Dr Scali, and thank you very much for joining us Good this morning. morning. So we might Pleasure. just start with, with that behaviour that I've outlined uh, in Berlin, the Dublin venue over the weekend um, and the widespread reaction to it. Um, this was restaurateur Jay Burke. He was in, he is involved in, in Berlin D2 and he was speaking on Morning Ireland earlier. Unfortunately, at about 10 to 4, one of my barmen decided to jump up in the bar, pour some whiskey into, some, into four people's mouths and someone took a video of it and it looked absolutely horrific. It looked as if it was gone bananas. But in fact... That footage does not reflect what went on that day at all. The barman was naughty, but he, he's young and they got excited and the customers are young and, you know, it was a moment of, of exuberance, I suppose. And I understand COVID because I had it and it's not fun and I, I don't want anyone to get it. A moment of exuberance, says Jay Burke, Dr. Gabriel Scali. Is that something that we can accept, do you think, or does something need to be done when we see, when we see breaches or apparent breaches like this? Well, I, I, like everyone else, saw the video and uh, a moment of exuberance it may have been, but it, uh, it's dangerous behaviour. And, uh, and I think that the big problem is it makes it difficult for all the other people who are observing all the rules and regulations uh, if there are these breaches and uh, people begin to think, well, what harm in it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we, you just can't have that. This virus is so dangerous and alcohol and this virus really, really do not mix. So uh, I think uh, that in order to protect the, the livelihoods of, of, of everyone and the health of everyone, there does need to be some uh, penalties put in place for those who are, are breaching the regulations. And uh, we know licensing laws are a very difficult uh, issue. So this is a perfect time for the government to look at this, this issue. If, the, if, if we're going to have breaches, what is going to be the penalty? Because otherwise, all of those people who are adhering to the regulations uh, will feel hard done by and, and it's not fair on them. So what would you be proposing the penalty would be then? Or oh, what, what I should the, that, that's what should a, the that's government a, do? Well, that's a matter for the politicians to make, to make a, a decision. But there has to be a clear understanding that this is a serious business and that this sort of behaviour will not be tolerated and that there should be management present in all of these places that stops this sort of thing happening. It wouldn't happen if it was properly managed on the mm. premises. Should people's licences be taken away from them if, if they're proven to be breaching the guidelines? Uh, well, I think that's something that deserves serious consideration. I know that um, acting CMO separately then, Ronan Glynn, has said that discussions in NEFA today, they're going to address the reopening of schools um, and look at, I suppose, the situation as we saw emerge over the weekend, um, 200 cases on Saturday alone. Um, now, the schools, I suppose, are the ultimate priority. Um, I think most people will agree on that. 
given what we saw over the weekend, 200 cases Saturday, 60 cases Sunday and and and, and a trend I think that nobody wants to see generally over, over the last uh, two weeks, would you have any concerns about the possibility of schools reopening in two weeks' time? Oh, I think everyone will have concerns and uh, the numbers going up both north and south is very worrying. But uh, I absolutely agree that the priority has to be to get children back into education. Uh, There's no reason why uh, young people have to bear the the brunt of the consequences of of this. It's bad enough seeing uh, older and uh, so many people die, but for children to be heavily penalised is wrong. So a, a real social priority must be to get the schools back and get them back safely. So in order to be safe about it, we really do need to get on top of these uh, flare-ups in the virus and we do need to really put a lot of time, effort and indeed resources into helping schools get back back working but also working safely for not just the pupils but for staff and for teachers and that means perhaps investing in expanding premises. Uh, A lot of schools are cramped Uh, circumstances and they may need to requisition and they should be able to and the state should be able to requisition additional space and premises. Uh, They should be putting up perhaps new buildings where they can, uh, temporary buildings. There are plenty of marquees and temporary buildings not being used at the moment because of the hospitality industry not being fully active. Uh, There should be uh, funds made available for school changes within the schools to make sure that they can be better ventilated, uh, that unnecessary impediments to movement can be removed and that sort of re-engineering and creating a safe environment is what we need but basically what we what parents and teachers and staff and children need are for the lowest possible levels of uh, COVID-19 to be prevalent around the schools in the communities and that means good local information and it means really putting the effort into the fine test trace isolate support mechanisms to get these numbers back down Mm. otherwise it's going to be a very rocky uh, really rocky autumn Okay and I want to talk to you in a minute about the idea of getting those those numbers back down Um, but just what, what, what you're suggesting there in terms of requisitioning unused buildings or marquees or or things like that, um, would it be that they would then be moved to nearby schools that have space nearby to allow for further space to be used for the schools? Yes, uh, indeed, if schools have playing grounds, uh, put them up there. If not, well then uh, look at local facilities that could be used, whether it be in some parks or whether it could be unused sporting venues at the moment so that children can be well educated and we you know one of the one of the ways in which uh, Ireland beat tuberculosis wasn't just antibiotics and, and the vaccination important those were we also paid a lot of attention to uh, children and children's schooling and particularly for vulnerable kids and we actually had outdoor schools and schools where uh, there were walls able to be removed and and much better ventilation and uh, getting the the air moving is probably the best thing you could possibly do. Mm. There is nothing worse as anyone who's experienced will know to be in a stuffy classroom all day uh, with a large number of kids and And, that's really not good. I wonder Gabriel you're saying and what you're saying makes sense right to get more space indoor space for for students like as you say uh, marquees or temporary buildings or unused buildings whatever it might be and to have really good ventilation in classrooms both of those things make sense but we're two weeks out from the school 
schools reopening. And both of those things, I assume, would take time to implement and install. And there's no there's no talk of any schools requisitioning marquees or unused buildings. There's no talk of installing ventilation systems. I think schools are talking about keeping windows open, but how, how viable that will be in the winter, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. So if those things aren't being done, what you're suggesting should be done, are the schools safe then? Well, it'll depend very much. And the final deciding factor has to be how many cases there are in the local community uh, within which the school is situated. And that's a worrying thing. I mean, if there are almost no cases, uh, then it's not a problem. But if there are uh, flare-ups nearby, then I I think uh, it needs to be seriously considered whether the time is right for those particular schools to to open. But... Uh, you know, the, w- the way to deal with this is to deal with the virus. We should concentrate on, on, on the virus and get the numbers back down again. All right. Well, talk to me about that then, if you, if you don't mind, because we do know that Neffet are yep. looking at potentially further restrictions um, being necessary, given where we're at at the moment. What, in your view, would be the right restrictions now to nip this in the bud? Well, I do think alcohol is a problem and uh, I do think there needs to be really strict rules about uh, venues where alcohol is available and whether that should be early closing times or something like that. Should Uh, the pubs be closed entirely in the the short term? well, uh, unless we only if we've got really good evidence of their their being spread, and uh, I, I, I'm heartened that the vast majority of premises and and restaurants are, are operating properly, and disheartened that there's still a small number that that aren't. But that area does obviously require a lot of attention because there is a lot of evidence that uh, those are prime cases for spread. Uh, workplaces as well with uh, the. Uh, the clusters that have happened in workplaces. Again, we need to be very clear that workplaces are safe, safe environments and that won't spread the virus. But at the, at the end of it, it's about all of us understanding what the symptoms are and how to come forward and uh, get tested and isolate and also be supported in isolation so that uh, people, if they happen to be living in a house with a, a lot of people in it with very limited premises, uh, uh, very limited bathroom and kitchen premises uh, in the house, that they can go and live somewhere else, that they should be supported if they're uh, on in, in, in work, uh, but uh, they're not going to get sick pay, that they are able to isolate because there are cases of, of, of people who feel unwell and are not getting tested mm-hmm. because they don't want to miss out on, uh, quite rightly and properly, don't want to, and the need, the income. So all of those issues have to be have to be dealt with. And at the local level, real, uh, really substantial resources going into the finding of the cases and, and, the, and the testing as rapidly as possible. Those are the key ways forward. But it would be good to see an overall objective uh, for what level of COVID-19 is acceptable in a community and what isn't. As far as I'm concerned, and I've been advocating this for some time, that we should be going for zero and then we should be dealing with uh, public health controls uh, with regard to our borders. As of right now then, um, given where the figure's at, do you think over 70 should go back to cocooning? Well, I think uh, a lot of older people and those with... um, 
uh, pre-existing conditions are already looking after themselves very well. You just have to look at the age profile of the cases with a very substantial proportion being under the age of 45. So I think a lot of uh, older people are doing a lot of social distancing still, are wearing face coverings, are keeping themselves to themselves and trying to dodge the virus as best they can. But that really uh, isn't, I think, uh, fair on older people. And uh, the only way of keeping older people safe is to get the numbers down overall in the community. But uh, I absolutely think that uh, they should continue uh, to keep themselves safe. I don't particularly think cocooning is necessary again. We haven't seen a huge number of uh, hospital admissions, as far as I'm aware, yet. Mm. And that shows me that uh, older people are keeping themselves safe. And, and on that point, we have a text from a listener saying, I thoroughly believe children need to get back to school, but I think there needs to be public health advice regarding, uh, reissued regarding the more vulnerable or grandparents, etc., as children will be mixing more. Um, yes. What would your view be on that in terms of in, in the next couple of weeks, given where the figures are at, the schools come back, hopefully, how, how should grandpa- grandparents protect themselves in that situation? Well, we do know that children are uh, very prone to getting the virus. They get the virus and they uh, can spread the virus even if they don't have any symptoms. And they may never have any symptoms, but they can be infectious. So personally, my advice would be to keep distance between uh, school children and grandparents and and older and vulnerable people and really do practice social distancing absolutely uh, for the time being until we can get the numbers numbers down that we can be really sure that we're not going to get uh, people older and vulnerable people infected. Um, Kay has asked, Gabriel, I don't know if you can answer this, but Kay is wondering if you can. Um, Would you ask the doctor if air purification would help in schools? I think that's a big engineering question and I I don't think uh, that it would be really feasible in many schools to put in uh, ventilation systems in each classroom, et cetera, et cetera. The best best air purification system is to open those windows and send children to school wearing jumpers, even wearing coats in class if necessary uh, through the later months. And, 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 and let, the air, let the air flow and uh, clean air in and out. Uh, the virus seems to require uh, a, a significant dose of the virus and indoor uh, facilities for it to spread. And, uh, and the, the, the more contained the atmosphere, uh, the worse it will be. So okay. open so windows, that, open doors, yeah, that's open very walls interesting. Is if it, possible. Is that vital in your view? Because we are heading into winter and this whole idea of keeping the windows open, um, I think, strikes a lot of people as unworkable, you know, in winter months. But are you saying it would be better to have the kids wrapped up warm and the windows open rather than the, the, the windows closed, the heating on? Uh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I, uh, if there's no, we already in the, many doctors would think that we overheat buildings and underventilate buildings, and we should do less of that for all sorts of reasons. And at this particular point in time, we really need airflow. And it's not just a matter of uh, opening everything up. It's about getting airflow through. It's about what direction the wind is coming on a particular day and how you get that ventilation flowing through our buildings. And I think there's nothing wrong with children going to school wearing uh, jumpers and jerseys or 
even uh, coats, if it can keep them safe and keep the air flowing. And yet we have lots of texting from people saying, for example, kids in freezing Irish marquees could lead to more problems, you know, different sort of health problems. I don't think that's that's true at all, if they're kept uh, well wrapped up. We are going to have health problems over the winter. There will be other viruses around as well. And uh, But the advice still stands. And right until, the 19, until about 1960, across Britain and Ireland, there were uh, open schools, schools that did much of their teaching completely outdoors because it was better for the kids. And some of those lessons we've forgotten about. And uh, maybe it's time to rediscover a little bit about the benefits of spending more time uh, outdoors and even in terms of education taking place outdoors or certainly with maximum ventilation. Can I ask you about the figures in the north because they are rising as well and indeed they've doubled last week um, the ore number in the north stands at around 1.6 um, how concerned would you be about that that trend? Well I think the rise both north and south is, is very worrying. Uh, both parts of the island were very close to uh, getting to zero. Such small numbers and I'm really worried that we might have let that slip through our fingers uh, because uh, Ireland as an island should have been perfectly placed to get it down to zero and keep it at zero. And I'm uh, disappointed that there still hasn't been more harmonisation between uh, north and south. It's great to have the app working and that's one of the best examples. But we still have different isolation periods, different number of of symptoms, for example, five symptoms recognised in the south main symptoms and four in the north. And we really do need an integrated effort to get rid of the virus. If we could get down to zero and keep it at zero, uh, then all of the social restrictions on pubs, restaurants, clubs, schools, sporting events could all be lifted. And that that was and remains, uh, I think, a really achievable objective. And I would urge both... uh, Uh, administrations, jurisdictions to adopt it. And I'm very pleased that the Northern Ireland Assembly Health Committee has supported a zero COVID approach, just as Scotland and Nicola Sturgeon has really adopted and really pushing hard for it. But it'll only work if we all do it together. Can I just ask you finally then, Gabriel, we saw controversy this weekend. uh, The chair of Fulcher Ireland, Michael Cawley, resigned following the revelation in the Irish Independent that he had gone on holidays to Italy. Um, we're, We're going to be talking about this later in the show. Lots of debate about the green list and foreign travel Um, but I'm wondering what is your advice when it comes to foreign travel what is your advice to people for the rest of 2020? Well could I firstly say uh, it's a very honourable man that does resign and uh, my advice remains as it has been that for this year we should stay at home and we shouldn't be travelling abroad. Uh, No necessary international travel I think should be. That's, That's how the virus is spreading and it's how it, how it came to the shores of Ireland in the first place. And uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed at the lack of controls, public health controls uh, on ferries, on, on uh, at airports. We need to stop the virus coming in and it will come in if we don't put those controls on. You just have to look at the huge increase in France now as the holiday season has really taken off a huge increase in France and in other countries, Mm. uh, several other countries in in Europe. 
And we really need to do everything we can to avoid that. And the, the other big reason for avoiding international travel, well, if people want holidays, then holiday at home. Spend your uh, pounds and your euros in the restaurants and uh, the facilities, the hotels, and spend your time in Ireland, see the rest of the island. For one year, it would do everyone no harm at all to holiday at home. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's Dr. Gabriel Scali, President of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Royal Society of Medicine in London. Well, we've talked a little bit about how the schools are going to be able to re- be uh, reopening. We're going to be getting a lot more detail on that next. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.